Pastor George, that is confusing when they keep changing the rules on you. I know, my wife does that to me all the time. <laughs> it's not nice, right? Well, before I start, I just want to tell you about this story that I heard. This was a story that happened up in heaven, that there was a taxi cab driver and a, and a preacher. They both got to heaven at the same time. So they came to Jesus and said, well, where are we going to live? So Jesus took the taxi cab driver down to the house right next to his throne. And it was a big, beautiful mansion. And he said, this is going to be your house. And the, and the pastor said, well, where's my house going to be? He said, so he took him way down about two miles away to this little tiny shack and said, this is going to be your house in heaven. The pastor said, that's not fair. I was a pastor and he was nothing but a, he was just a cab driver. Why does he get the big mansion and I get the small house? So Jesus said to the pastor, you were a pastor, and when you preached, people went to sleep. But when he drove the cab, people prayed. <laughs> so that was a true story, I think. So actually, Pastor George stole my scripture today. I don't know how he got into my computer. He got one of those programs, right? So I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, which was the scripture Pastor George quoted when he was up here. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ, but we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. To what the scripture is saying, even in this dark world, that you carry the light of the glory of God in you. Even if you were just a Christian since yesterday. If you just gave your heart to the Lord this morning, you were watching T.D. Jakes and you prayed to receive Jesus. You received a deposit of the very nature and glory of God to shine in you. So that you are a carrier of the glory of God into a dark world. But what does it say? But God uses imperfect, broken clay vessels so that he will get all the glory. You see, if God only used fancy millionaires and college professors and movie stars, people would, give, would say, wow, they're so talented, they're so great. Wow, look, look how wonderful they are. But when God takes broken nobodies like us and begins to use us to shine through, everybody's going to give glory to God. They say, how did, how did you do that? You, you never went to college. How do you know all that? You never went to Bible school. How, how, how did you get that person's life changed? See, you are not disqualified because you're, you feel like you're broken today. You're imperfect. You feel like a mess. You are not disqualified. You're the one that God is looking for. He's looking for broken people that he can shine forth so that people will give him all the praise and all the honor. So I'm going to go to verse 8. This is what Pastor George was speaking about. It says, but we are hard pressed on every side. See, we carry the glory, but at the same time, don't be surprised if you're in a place where it seems like everything's 
crushing in on you. How, how many of you have been there? You turn this way, the bill collectors. That way, there's problems at work. This way, someone's mad at home. Every Sometimes all the cars broken down. We're hard-pressed on every side. But it says that we are not crushed. See, whatever you're going through today, whatever's pressing in on you, and I know what that feels like. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 30 years. You still have days and times where it feels like life, like the enemy is everywhere that you look, but you can't be crushed. Why? Because of the deposit of glory in you. See, you don't have to walk in fear or worry because God will sustain you. We are perplexed, but not in despair, which is what Pastor George was speaking about. I'm perplexed about a lot of things. For example, how come Superman wears his underpants on the outside? <laughs> you have an answer for that, Molly? How come they call it 2% milk? What's the other 98%? I pay all that money? Now why, why do they call them apartments when they're all attached together? See, I'm, per, I'm, I'm perplexed, Pastor Melissa. I'm, I go through this world in a lot of confusion. I, I'm with Pastor George. I don't know. I'm going to confess to you. People come to me all the time and say, why did God let this happen? Why did this person die? Why, why, why is God not healing me when the word says that we are healed why isn't anything changing you know what i don't i don't have good answers a lot i'm perplexed i don't understand in my life half the stuff that goes on why it seems like there's breakthrough and everything's moving ahead and all of a sudden comes a bad report and it feels like i'm back to square one but what does it say we're perplexed but not in despair. That means I don't have to understand because there's a God. He's in charge. He's in control of my life. And my trust is in Him. I don't have to be afraid of bad news. You can give me a bad report. You could tell me negative stuff and I don't have to fear. Because God is in control. Because God has the final words. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. In other words, there's people sometimes, because you're a Christian, there are people, at least in, the, in other countries, it means you get, might get your head cut off. In this country, it means some people won't want to be your friend anymore. People might laugh at you, ridicule you, but you are not abandoned because the one who loves you will never leave you. You, are, you might feel alone today, but you are not alone. And then it says we are struck down but not destroyed. I, I can stand here and tell you I've been struck down many times. As many times, even as a Christian, as a pastor, where things happen in life, where it feels like I just got, I just got whammed over the head. There, there are things that can happen in your life that'll knock you right off your feet, sometimes even literally. I remember I, I said it before, but when my wife was in the nursing home, and they came and told me, well, this is going to cost you $10,000. I literally fell over into the chair. But guess what? I'm still standing. That's my testimony. My testimony is I can fall. I've been struck down and wounded, but I'm still here. I don't have a fancy testimony like other people other than I'm still standing. And I expect to be standing till the end. Whatever the enemy does, whatever anyone in, in my life could turn their back on me in my time of need. People can wound with their gossip and their words, but I expect to still be standing in the end. 
And I expect every one of you, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're still going to be worshiping. Not one of you is going to be lost. We're not going to respond to what the enemy is doing. Well, I want to go now to the book of Nehemiah, which is an Old Testament example of just what I've been speaking about, where the people were struck down, where they were surrounded by the enemy. Now, Nehemiah was an Old Testament, a book in the Old Testament. And back, if you read back in the days of Jeremiah, he warned the people of Israel to turn from their wicked ways, to turn from their rebellion and their idolatry. But their hearts were hard. They, they refused to turn to God. And because of that, God brought judgment upon Israel. And the Babylonian army, which today is Iraq, they came, they destroyed the temple, they destroyed much of the city of Jerusalem, they banished the Jewish people from their land, they took their homes. And 90 years later, the city was still in ruins, the walls were still down, the temple was still destroyed. You see, there's a lesson to be learned by that. Even though now we live in a time of grace, we live in a time of love where God is not angry at his beloved children. But there's a place where when somebody comes to you in love and warns you and says, that thing you're doing is going to kill you. The way you're living is going to destroy your marriage. There's a place not to just say, well, nobody's perfect. Who are you to judge me? There's a place to say thank you. Yes. That's what you say. Yes. I'm not talking about some finger-pointing, hypocrite, critical person coming and judging you. I, that's not what I'm talking I'm talking about a pastor, a relative, someone who loves you, yes. comes to you and say, and say, you are ruining your future, ruining your life. It's not because God is angry at you, but even today there's consequences of your decisions. I've said it here many times. Just one bad night could ruin your life. You could make one decision and, and in 30 minutes you could set yourself back for the next 30 years. Don't be so fast to push people away. Amen. So, sometimes we need to I receive a word, a word of rebuke. What that'll set us back in the right path. Amen. Never mind that nobody's perfect. I'm only human. I've said it many times. And once you got the spirit of God in you, you lost that excuse to say I'm only human. You, you are superhuman. Well, God, God raised up a man named Nehemiah. He was the cupbearer of the king. He was the, he was the bartender. He went from bartender to hero. How is that for a story? <laughs> Except that wasn't such a good job back then. What did, the cupbearer wasn't just the guy that poured the, poured the drinks. See, a lot of times in those days, people were out to kill the king. So they would put poison in the drinks. So it was Nehemiah's job to take to taste the drink to check out if it was poison or not. How would you like that job? Don't complain about your job anymore. Not if Nehemiah is around. And he heard the the in his spirit. He heard. He felt a, a desire to to go back to Jerusalem when he heard that after 90 years it was still laid desolate. The, the city, the Bible says, that God loves. The place where he placed his spirit and the holy temple. And he, he went to the king and the king gave him favor to go back and even gave him the provision to begin to rebuild the walls. 
So I'm going to go to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Speaking about Sambalot. Sambalot was the enemy. When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and he was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? See, just as the Jews back then had an enemy, we also have an enemy. But your enemy is not your boss, it's not your mother-in-law. In fact, I just came back from a pleasure trip. I took my mother-in-law to the airport. But and there's a lot of benefits in my wife not being here. I could say anything. Don't tell her, though, Molly. Just keep it. See, your neighbor, the person, the person that that you just had a big argument with is not your enemy. But in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 says that we have a spiritual enemy that doesn't like when you make a decision to begin to move ahead and begin to serve God and, and begin to rebuild with your life. But see, I, I don't, I don't want to give you a wrong idea that we have an enemy that's in any way equal to God. You see, the sides aren't equal because the scripture says the enemy was already defeated at the cross. We got a great big God and an itty bitty devil. The scripture says that all authority on heaven and earth was given to Jesus. How much does that leave the devil? He doesn't have any authority. In fact, in Psalm 91 verse 13, Speaking to you, it says you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. That's symbolic, poetic language speaking of the devil and all his evil spirits. They're under your feet. You can walk around and crush them. So the enemy knows that... He doesn't have real authority in your life because you got the Spirit of God in you, not a fair fight. So the only thing that he can do is to try to deceive you and try to wear you out. See, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the devil. Right. We don't do that in this church. We don't want to give him all that much attention. I don't spend too much time in my prayer facing the devil, speaking to the devil, commanding the devil. Most of the time I spend worshiping God and believing that he's going to fight my battle. But at the same time, the enemy has a scheme. And we are not unaware that he might outwit us. And we just read one of the main schemes that he has when he said he ridiculed the Jews and said, what are those feeble Jews doing? In other words, if he can't stop you, he'll get you to try to question your identity, to make you feel like a nobody, like nothing unqualified you can't do it that's not who you are Amen. don't listen to that voice in your head that voice that speaks to you that that's the tapes the enemy has placed in your mind telling you oh you're just nobody all oh, compared to this one and get you compare yourself to other people you are a reflection of the beauty and the glory of God. You are, you are wonderful in the eyes of God as His child. You are powerful in Him. If, if He can get you to believe the lie about who you are, He's going to stop you dead in His tracks. 
in your tracks. But see, they refuse to listen. I'm going to go to the next verse. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? In other words, look at your past. Look at all your failures, all the things that you messed up in your life. You're a loser. That's what the enemy would try to tell you. Your past is under the blood of Jesus. Your blood, your past has been wiped away. You could have had the worst reputation of the biggest thug of all time. And that in no way takes away who you are in Jesus. There's nothing that you've ever done. There's no regret. There's no bad decision you've ever made that can stop your future if you don't let it, if you don't give in to that lying voice of the enemy. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, another one of the enemy, what they are building, even if a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones, in other words, that's not, see, the enemy still has the same tactics as he did 4,000 years ago. He, that's all he got, is to try to convince you that you're worthless. To tell you, you see, your marriage, it's just going to fall apart. Your job is just hanging by a thread. You'll never have any money. You are inept. You'll never make it. You'll never be anything or do anything. Can't listen to that lie. I guarantee you there's a bunch of you here. You got that thing in your head. That is the lie from the pit of hell. You are going to make it. You are going to do great and mighty works because the greatness of God lives in you. Nothing, as Pastor George said, nothing can stop you. Nothing can hold you back. You are well able, yes. every one of you. Every, if you have in the sound of my voice, you are well able to be and to do everything you need to do every day as a parent, as a spouse, as a single person, as a worker, as a worshiper, as a minister, whatever you need to do, God will give you the ability Verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their hearts. See, they didn't give in to that junk. And you don't either. They called them worthless. They said, you messed up your life and your past. You're a good for nothing. You're a nobody. And they said, we don't care. We're going to keep working. We're going to keep serving God. Amen. Amen. And the wall got half built. I'm going to skip to verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. You ever have friends like that? Oh, your strength is giving out. You'll never make it. Don't bother going back to school. It's too late. Don't start that business. You're going to lose all your money. Oh, you'll never find the spouse that God has for you. Just settle for this bum. <laughs> Some of you need to stop listening to these people that speak garbage into your life. Amen. People will discourage you. Get rid of the haters. <laughs> It's like Jonah. Jonah was in rebellion against God, so he was running from God. He got into the ship, and the ship started to sink. So you know what they did? They threw Jonah off the boat, and the storm stopped, and everything was okay. Some of you have Jonahs you need to throw out of your boat. 
bad company, the Bible says, corrupts good character. Be careful that those people speaking into you, those words of discouragement. Oh, you'll never get any better. Oh, my, my uncle's back had, had the same problem and he never got any better. Oh, your marriage will never change. I know someone that they just got divorced. Stop listening to those voices. Cut yourself off if you got to from people who keep speaking negativity into your life to try to stop you. See, they got halfway done and here comes the negative voices. Nobody will bother you when you don't want to accomplish anything with your life. If, if you're content just to do nothing, just have a nice, pleasant life, never accomplish anything, get to heaven, this message isn't for you. You could go now. <laughs> Open the door. But, but if you want your life to be meaningful, you want to you wanna fulfill the destiny and the purpose God has for you. Don't be surprised that as you build, as you go, that the enemy might try to resist you. But God has the final word. He's got the last word in your life. You see, there was so much rubble. It says that it was getting hard to rebuild. See, have you ever been to the place in your life where there's so much rubble, so much junk, that you want to give up the fight, all the issues at work, the calls from your child's school, the gossip, the argument at home, all the junk starts piling up and you want to give up. Well, thank God that God is a heavenly garbage collector. We give Him all the junk, everything that's piling up, all the issues. Don't let those things stop you. Just let's do that right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you all the hurts right now, God. Even before we go on, God, every issue, all, all the junk that's in our lives, those bills, Lord God, the angry relatives, oh God, the broken down cars, God, the nasty co-workers, Father, all the junk that seems like it's piling up and hindering us, we give it all to you right now because we believe, God, that you're bringing us through in Jesus' name. You see, then in Ezra 4, see, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah tells the same story. In fact, for all you Bible scholars here, Ezra and Nehemiah used to be at one time one book, and they later separated it. But Ezra told the same story, and when the enemy saw that they couldn't convince the people to stop working, let me know if this sounds familiar, they went to the government and got the government to issue a decree to stop the work in the building. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm telling you, the devil, he just got the same couple things he tries to use over and over and over again. He's still doing that today. Churches everywhere, everywhere I go, there's at least three different churches that I minister at that are going through that same issue. The church where I spoke last week. They had to have all their services in the hallway because the government can't, oh, you can't use that sanctuary anymore. You're not zoned. See, when the devil can't stop you, he might try to use the government. But do you know the government can't stop you, the purposes of God? You're going to compare the, 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 the president, the mayor, the governor to the king of kings and the lord of lords? So the people, they they got a new strategy. Going to go down to verse 13. 
they stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. What was he saying? No matter what things look like, don't give in to hopelessness. Fight for your family. Fight for your future. Fight for the church. We don't give in because of the government, because the enemy decides to make decrees against us. He specifically says, fight for your family. See, when, when I became a Christian, people gave me this list of priorities. They said, how many of you heard this? First comes God, then comes family, and then comes ministry. That is bogus. Why is that bogus? Because when I spend time with my family, I'm worshiping God. When I'm, when, when I'm helping out in the church, that's worship. That's ministry when I play, when I, instead of hanging out with the boys, I play with my kids. I'm doing ministry. There's no separation, God, family, ministry. doesn't say Romans 12 that make your life a living sacrifice. That's our worship to God. Did you know that all of you who are going to take your families out to eat afterwards instead of running home to, to watch TV and spend time with them and share with them about what, what happened in church, that that's worship just as much as when you lift your hand and sing? It's all God. I, I, don't, I don't buy that stuff. Well, it's not real ministry if I'm just at home with my family. I'm not. That's ministry. Amen. When you take your wife out on a date to protect your marriage, remember it says fight for your family. I'm worshiping God. I'm ministering. Amen. Don't listen to this fake religious mumbo-jumbo anymore. You see, your future is worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your destiny is worth fighting for. I'm going to skip to verse 19. The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. What does that mean? You are never meant to battle alone. When the Bible says that you have victory in the battle, it never assumes that you stop going to church, that you disconnected yourself from the people of God. I don't think I'd make it a month. Hmm. You know that I'm a pastor and, and I need to be around people who know me to say, you're not yourself lately. What's going on with you? What you've been right. doing? Right. Why are you talking negatively like that? I need people to speak into my life. I need the people of God. Many times the people of God have gotten me out of messes. Whether I made them, the devil, whatever made them. <laughs> I, I can't survive. I won't have victory without the people of God. That was the plan. When they blow the trumpet, we all come together. That was the mistake the devil made, Pastor George, in shutting down the church. He brought more unity and togetherness and love and compassion than I've ever seen. People willing to travel, to get out of their comfort zone every week, go to a different place just to be together. The devil overplayed his hand past the joy. What the devil meant to destroy this church, God has worked for good. And God has built up an army that now 
stop. Nothing can hold you back anymore. The devil made the mistake of his life. The unity in this church is so much greater than what I've ever seen. That when the trumpet sounds, somebody's in trouble. I see people going to run to help, to hospitals, to cook for people. More than I've ever seen. If it took taking away the building for a while, then tap the building. The devil could have the building for a while. It's, it's about the people. And God is bringing unity. See, what, what ended up happening was that some carried weapons and some did the work. And the families all worked together. That's, what ended, that's how they ended up finishing the work. And that's what God is doing in this church. Some people are working. Some people carrying the swords. By swords, I don't mean literally. I don't know what you got in your pocket there. Jenny, don't be carrying that stuff anymore. Your weapons is your praise. Your weapons is declaring the Word of God. So now we've got some people working. People going to the buildings department covered with prayer. Other people working in the building accomplishing the work. The ministry hasn't been stopped. It's still going on without the building. People are still getting healed, getting saved. Lives are still being touched. Why? Because some have picked up the sword. Some have said, well, now we need to pray like never before. Now I, I, I might not have the same comfortable church building, but I'm going to have to learn to worship wherever I am. And you pick up the sword. And that's why this church is going to do great and mighty works. The devil has taught you how to worship. By taking away your comfort, by taking away what was familiar, by putting you in a place where you didn't know what's happening next. And so many of you started turning to God and worshiping and praying. I even see it now on Facebook. Instead of all the criticism, I see scriptures and people praying and not so much gossip. Why? Because you've learned to carry your sword. God has worked all things for good in this church. And the family of God coming together. And in the end, it tells us in Ezra chapter 3 verse 13, that at the end, when they finished building the wall, when they finished building the temple, and everything was restored. It says no one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And that's going to be the end result for this church. That's going to be the result for your life, for your marriage, for your, for your finances. You're going to, if you keep following God and you don't listen to the report of the enemy and you don't keep looking, well, what's happening now? And you realize that God has the last word on the subject? You're going to go out screaming for joy and worshiping and blessing Him. Don't look at your situation for what it's like right now. You might feel pressed in. Maybe you came in today. Maybe somebody struck you down. Well, God is building you back up. And He's got a great and mighty plan for you. Just as how much more, how much more victory does He have for you, His beloved children, than He had for the people of Israel who were who were mostly idolaters and turned away from Him, though in His mercy He brought them back. How much more will you walk in victory as His beloved children? Amen. Now, I'm going to read one last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. See, outwardly I could see I'm wasting away. I don't have the same memory I used to have. I don't have so much hair like I used to have. I realized I was losing hair when it took me longer to wash my face. But that's a good way to do it, right? But inwardly, outwardly I might be a mess, I got a pain here, I can't bend down. If, if I bend down to tie my shoe, I try to think of other things I got to do while I'm already down there. Outwardly, I'm not doing that great. But inwardly, I've got more passion for God, more zeal for the Lord, more vision, more hope than I've ever had in my years with the Lord. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That means I don't keep my eyes on the bills and the problems and the medical condition. If I do that, I'll be the most depressed person you ever met. I mean literally. <laughs> There's things that's in my life that's hard to face right now. So what do I got to keep doing? I set my eyes on what is unseen, on things above. On what is eternal, I see Jesus. I keep my eyes on Him. When it's all falling apart, when it looks like it's turning the wrong way, sometimes it feels like it's all over for me. And I put my eyes back on the Lord. And all of a sudden, I get refreshed. I get new hope. And I, I'm going to believe for every one of you that everything that's been broken and destroyed in your life it's going to be rebuilt there's restoration coming to you that the greatest days of glory for this church are still ahead of it so I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now And we have a, a mighty prayer warrior in the church that we're going to get to pray for you right now. So I'm going to ask Melissa's grandmother. She's going to do it the old style way because she has endured. She has stood the test of time through many sorrows, many hurts, many sicknesses. And she's still a worshiper. She still believes. She still prays for every one of you every day. So is there a way we could get the mic on? If you want to see what a spiritual warrior looks like, come and look at Melissa's grandma after the service. So she's going to pray in Spanish. So the rest of you, I hope you have the gift of interpreting tongues. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa to come up and pray.
que bendiga a nuestros niños intermedios, nuestros jóvenes, los ancianos, Señor, Padre Celestial, gracias, Señor, gracias, porque tú eres bueno, Señor Jehová. Padre Celestial, dirígenos en el resto del día, Señor, y para ti, Señor, sea toda honra y toda gloria. En el nombre de Jesús, tu amado, te imploramos. Amén. Amen. So I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa to come. And before she comes, I want to ask you, if there's any of you here, and you could relate to the scripture that Pastor George read before, that some, you feel pressed in on every side. Or maybe you've been struck down. Maybe things are going on in your life. You can't figure it out. We're believing your best days are in front of you. That glory days are still ahead of you. If that's you, will you raise your hand? We want to pray for you right now. Jesus. You know, I have to say I'm a little emotional. My grandmother turns 92 on Tuesday. But that's not, that's not the emotional part. The emotional part is that my prayer is that I too would reach that age and still worship no matter what. You see, she's buried three children, her husband. She's been homeless at times. There's struggles sometimes to take care of her. But through it all, she says, God, you are so good. And she stands in the sanctuary and she cries, glory to God. <laughs> and I love to hear that because I know that if she can say it, then I can say it too. So, Father, we thank you for victory, oh God. We thank you that no matter what it looks like, no matter what we go through, that you are still faithful. You are still good and mighty and true, oh God. Lord, as our hands are lifted because we may need help today, oh God, I pray that you, and I know you do, see every hand that is lifted. So, Father, release strength today, God. Release the weight that keeps us bound. All of those baggages we keep picking up, God. I pray we would leave them right here today, oh God. That we would walk in victory, in authority, oh God. That we would walk in peace, knowing, God, that you are making a way. That you are righting every wrong, oh God. That you are turning things around for our good, oh God. Lord, I know in terms of our church, God, I've, I've lifted my hands. I've prayed. I've interceded. But Father, I let that bag go because it's yours to carry and not mine, oh God. So I thank you, oh God, for what tomorrow will bring. I thank you that we will still be standing, that we will be provided for, that none will be without because you love your children, oh God. Because you love us so much that you died for us. So Father, I just pray, God, for those that are feeling lost and helpless, oh God, that you replace it with hope, with courage, with strength, oh God. Father, may we be like horses with those blinders that just see you, oh God, and not necessarily our circumstances or what is right in front of us. I thank you that you are the God of the impossible. I thank you that nothing is too hard for you, oh God. So Father, we just end this service today thanking you for the miracle, praising you, God, for the lifting, Lord, thanking you, God, that we, Lord, I just, we ask, thank you, Lord, that there's no more depression that will take hold, that is no more oppression, oh God, that when we walk into our workplaces, we would walk in saying, God, thank you for a job, Lord God, I thank you, oh God, that even if we may not have a job, that we're saying thank you for this time where we get to pray or get to do things at home, oh God, Lord, turn us around, God. So I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you are doing the impossible on our behalf for our good, oh Lord. So I just thank you, Lord. And can we just do something? Can you just lay your hand on the person next to you? Because I know that sometimes we can't do altar calls and it might feel a little uncomfortable, all right? But God, I thank you for that person right next to me, right before me, Lord. Just begin to lift them up. I thank you that they are your child, Lord. That they are the head and not the tail. I thank you, oh God, for victory for them, Lord. For pressing through. And Father, as I lay my hand on that person next to me, oh God. May I remember them in prayer this week, oh God. May I pray for their miracle, their healing, their blessing, oh God. Their need, oh God, even before my own. So Father, I thank you. 
thank you, oh God, for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. And I thank you that we get to meet, oh God, and see this beautiful people that you've created, this congregation, Lord. And in your precious name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. I just want to do one last thing. I'm going to ask if Pastor George could come up with Michelle. I just want to do one more prayer. See, a lot of the burden falls on them. Day by day, all they're getting built up and let down and all... And after a while, you can start feeling the weight of it. So what we need are people who are saying, I'm committed. If, it, if we got to meet in a parking lot, in an alley, whatever it takes, Pastor George, I'm with you. I see the vision and I'm committed. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to ask our Pastor Alice if you could just come and let, let's just close and let's just believe right now. Now that we're all joined together, we're going to release the favor of the Lord right now. We're going to believe that this is it in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, first of all, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for the provision. We want to thank you for the open doors. We want to thank you for the guidance. We want to thank you for your peace. We want to thank you for your love, dear God. And Lord, we thank you, dear God, for these people, dear God. We thank you, dear God, for George and Michelle, dear God. We thank you for the heart that you've put in them, dear God. I thank you, dear God, for the strength that you give them. I thank you, dear God, for the encouragement that you pour upon them, dear God. And Lord, now I pray, dear God, that as we come together in one accord, dear God, lifting your name up and lifting them up and lifting the sanctuary up, dear God, that in one accord we cry out to you, dear Lord. And we know, dear God, that we're two or three are gathered in your name. You are present, dear God. And when we pray to you in one accord, dear God, like they did in the book of Acts, dear God, your power comes down, your anointing comes down, dear God. And we pray right now, dear God, for a release, dear God. We pray for your presence to release, dear God. Lord, we pray for your presence to start working in the DOB. Lord, we pray that you start transforming lives there, dear God. Lord, and especially right now, dear God, I want to pray for Michelle, and I want to pray for George, dear God, this is the shepherd that you have put in front of this house, dear God. And I ask, dear God, that you strengthen him. I ask that you carry him when he can't walk. I ask that you be with him, dear God, that when he stands in front of the D.O.B., they don't see a man, but they see a representative of God standing before them, dear God. And I pray, dear God, that you release your power over him, dear God. And I pray, dear God, that you guide him. I pray that you give him peace, dear God. I pray that you give him rest, dear God. In the precious name of Jesus, dear God, we pray and we thank you, dear God, that this burden they do not carry alone, but we carry it with them. Lord, that where hands cannot be lifted, that we be there to hold their hands up, dear God. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You are blessed. So go out and be a blessing. Have a wonderful week, guys. Thank you for coming. See you next week. In an alley. On a parking lot.